Welcome back, everybody. This is Life and Stride Podcast, Episode Four, Part Two of the Houston Recap. Um, a very anticipated one. Sorry we made you wait an entire fifty-four minutes and maybe ten seconds to hear this, but we wanted to make you sweat it out. Now you have to listen to two episodes. Um, <laughs> but uh. It was an extremely fun weekend. We went through the um, the pre-race uh, with me, Danny, and Cheston. Um, and today we're going to roll with the uh, post-race and the race itself and, and get into kind of the nitty-gritty of what went great, what went wrong, what we remembered, how we're going to learn and grow from this experience. Um and yeah, let's let's roll right into it. I want to start with Danny. Oh, Danny, tell ooh. me. Let's. I want to know what was going through your head from the time the gun went off till about maybe like five miles in. That first, like the yeah, it's like the honeymoon stage of the race. <laughs> I don't see it as the honeymoon stage i see it as like everything should feel easy you know what i mean and like that's what I mean. oh man that's storms that's what I mean. storms coming you know time to hunker down that's kind of mm-hmm. the way i see it oh, yes. um but yeah yeah no I, I know what you mean scotty um so like all right we push up to we kind of get in the corral um they had i think they put like all the marathoners in the a corral and we kind of get up with the three-hour pacer, me, John, and Mike. And John's run, John has run, like, multiple 240-ish marathons. The idea was, hey, like, John is super fit. Mike, at the age of 50, is going for a PR. He's going for a 251. And so we're all going to stick to, and I'm going for a 251, too. That's a PR. So we're going to stick to John. He's going to be our pacer. And let's just roll with him. So we get into the crowd. John's got his phone. He's like texting the pony group chat, like our training group the whole time. And they're taking side bets on what our first split is to be like, they're gonna, <laughs> they're like tracking us on the app. So the over the, the line was set somewhere like around six, uh, 40, Mike guess six forty. John guess six forty. I guess six thirty seven. I thought we were going to go a little spicier pace. Um, our, we get the gun goes off. We finally cross the line. It probably took like a minute between the gun going off, and because there's so many people, you have to kind of shuffle behind to get up to the actual start line. And we're off, and we're kind of cruising along that first mile, and sticking to one side of the course, the left side, kind of along the the barrier rail. And it is so dang crowded, like so congested in the first two miles. But first mile clips off, and we did a six forty five. And I'm like, okay, well, that's like 15 seconds slower than goal, but that's fine. Like, that's where I love to be the first mile of the race. Like, mm-hmm. for every uh, second you try to bank in that first part of the race, you're going to pay for tenfold in that last 10K because you're you're burning matches way too soon. So I'm like, 645, that's perfect. I'm happy here. It could have been a seven, and I well, maybe not a seven, but... It could, you know, 645 was where I wanted to be. Um, So we, we kind of cruise along, um, you know, mile two, we get down to around 630, I think. Here, I'm looking at my splits, 632. 
uh, mile three six thirty four six twenty three. So we're picking it up. That one was a little hot. Um, and then mile five six thirty two. So it was like all flat. Um, the race was still a little crowded, probably through five k. But you know we were all feeling good. Um, Mike had his GoPro out. I think around mile five, Mike had a malfunction with his uh, bottle. He had like a scratch and pickle juice and element combinations water bottle, which is sounds absolutely disgusting. Like I don't know how he drinks that. Period. Let alone during it's it's actually it's actually incredible. I've used that combo before, and I'm going (laughs) back to it, and it is oh so good. I doubt it's incredible. Does it taste good? Come on, you're talking the salt daddy. When it's that salty, mm, get in my belly. You know, I've actually never had scratch, but those other two things, the pickle juice and the almond, I, I like those both. So I don't know. But yeah, individually. Got, individually, <laughs> yeah. Don't get it don't get it mixed up. That's not that's weird. Um, but Mike, hey, it worked for him. But I think what happened was he got his bottle for Christmas and like didn't unwrap it fully or something. So I think some of the packaging was still on there. So he had to pop the nozzle portion of the lid off he actually gave it to john john was like here let me let me do that john was like the john was like the uh you know like just pulling pulling us man like through this race he was such a stud so i we're like shuffle around bottles i'm holding john's bottle on my own mike's like holding his gopro and in his empty bottle or his bottle full of liquid without the lid on it just trying to run smoothly not to spill any and john like pops the cap off catches the lip it's the it's the nozzle part of the cap catches this little tiny thing in his armpit all while running 630 pace grabs it fixes it pops it back on screws the lid on hands it to mike and we're rolling like i'm like dude if that like (laughs) that was like what that was one of those things like chris we were talking about a couple episodes ago where it's like hey if something goes wrong during the race like we you know you need to figure it out and like let not end your day that's something that could have gone really wrong really early in the race, and we're glad it didn't. But that For, was further, further proof that DP just had a perfect day. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> when something like that happens in a race, you're like, I'm, I'm going to go all in. Put, put yeah, all my chips in the ticket. Yeah. We had the vibes on our side for sure. But That's yeah. Awesome. What, what, what about you guys? What, uh, Cheston, what, what, how were your first five miles from Corrada? Let's say mile five or 10K. Yeah, and it it's so funny, Danny. I was thinking this on the the race prep video um, or episode rather, a couple episodes ago, when we we're talking about goals and strategy. I resonate a lot in, in the sense of start early and don't rush, like don't waste energy in those early miles. And I remember telling Caroline and Mike in the Mike Coran, not Mike Corfidge, Mike Mike Coran that the you know the early miles don't waste energy trying to get to the front and even get to pace that first mile even if we're slow like it's all good so the first mile we went much slower than i expected and for those who don't remember the goal was 615 pace through through 15 or so and then make a decision to move if i'm feeling good at then so the first mile we actually ran i've got my strava splits so they're a little faster compared to actual but First one was probably 635, 636, and it was crowded that first mile. The second mile opened up a bit. We started going to, to 615. That third mile, we were hot, 609, then 612, then 609 again. So, uh, and I told Caroline, Mike, and I agreed that we'd have a speed limit of 612. So as you can imagine, 
the first couple of miles, I'm saying running hot, running hot, running hot. Uh, Caroline was was leading the pack and and looking smooth. Mike and I were were a step or two behind her, generally speaking. Those first couple of miles, and the the music started slow, just like I like. Is nice and chill. One funny thing that happened early is I in this the Houston Marathon app obviously tracked a bunch of people. I had twenty people to track, and I turned on notifications, which I was excited about. I didn't realize I also turned on audio, and so the audio went off every time someone crossed a starting mat, a five k mat, a ten k mat. So, <laughs> so at the start, I got you know twenty eight beeps for like three minutes because you had people in crowd A, crowd B, crowd C. And then there'd be a lull. And then when Scotty, Ilya, and Michael beep, Cook were ahead beep, of us, go beep, 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 beep. It was just, <laughs> it was nuts. And at first I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like I can, I can think, okay, there's other people out there suffering. By mile five, it got real old. So my Quran took my bottle for a moment. And uh, while I turned off the, the, the notifications, the sound notifications on my app. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the first, you know, what was going mentally is... And, and I need to think, I think I need to revisit how I think through the beginning of races because I was starting already early on comparing how I was feeling to other races and race results and mm. which can be helpful, but also it cannot be. And so I was like, you know, this feels yeah. kind of like Indy 21, which I've mentioned before to you guys, I got my goal, but it was a grind. I mean, most of the race was a grind. And so I did, I was proud of myself mentally, not that that was a, a battle, but I thought, you know, each marathon's its own story. Just keep going. You know, you don't know. But I, I'll tell you what, the first miles, I my right foot, my right heel was hitting my left, my left calf, which is usually a sign I'm fatigued and not fully recovered. My my legs just weren't springy. I felt like I could go to goal at 20, but they just weren't springy. So even in the early miles, I was like, okay. Justin went out right there. Yeah, well, we can uh, we can hop to Scott, and then when Justin gets back, we can uh, we we'll can uh, re- revisit. Off. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> let's hear it. Oh, there he is. There he is. Hey, Justin, continue. You there, Justin, continue. Justin, back. He's back. Can you hear us? All right. No, we're just gonna go to me. Um, All right. So, gun goes off and. I went out a lot hotter than, um, well, I mean, it wasn't a lot hotter. I, I told myself I, I was going to run with Michael Cook and maybe Elia if we could link up, and we never linked up. It was kind of weird. Um, we lost them, like, right before the beginning of the race, um, and I kind of went um, in front of Elia, and I, I told myself I was going to be at 6.04 or, like, it's 603 to 606 on my watch and be comfortable with that. But I, uh, my first mile was 604, six flat, and then 557, and then 601, and then 602 for mile five. Um, but the, the 557, I remember that mile. I only had, I only had maybe, half a mile where I felt crowded, maybe less than that at, at the six flat pace. Like I was pretty far ahead and no one, it, it wasn't an issue for me at all. Um, but, 
Um, the 557 at mile three, I definitely felt, and I was like, I was like, this feels so easy. Yes, I know it should be easy, but I should slow down. So I remember really the first 10 for me, I was, I was doing classic Scotty things. Um, and like, just, Justin, I was wondering if you could, if you could see it, cause you were kind of somewhat close behind me, but I was like, I was hyping up the crowd and I was, <laughs> I was throwing my hands up and it's just funny to me, like, in a marathon, I expect everybody to be cheering all the time. Like it's like a important part of like a like a big like soccer game or something, and everybody should be cheering the whole time because there's just this wall of people down the whole thing for like the first five miles, and you expect all these people to be cheering, but they're just waiting for their husband or their wife or their, That's so true, dude. Or their so brother. True. So they're just like watching you, but then the second you're like put your like let's go or 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 you like put your ear up and you're like i can't hear you the whole crowd goes wild it's it's like funny how easy it is to get into cheer but it's also funny how quiet they are scotty scotty won't have that issue at boston and by the way in like the in the circles of the towns when you when you start pumping your hands up or on the newton hills people go bananas because not many people are hyping people up in those sections and so when you do, the whole crowd is just loving it. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Especially when that for sure. Especially when the one who lived comes by too. <laughs> the, the sole survivor of Voldemort. For those for those who don't know, Scotty got a, a lightning bolt in the side of his head, so we're, we're calling him the the boy who lived right now. He got it shaved. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a zigzag. I don't know if you call it a lightning bolt, but we get I it. I showed him what I wanted, and it was clear. <laughs> it was clear a, a zigzag is very much different than a lightning bolt, but it is what it is. He like I didn't know it. My barber canceled on me the the day before the marathon as I was walking out the door to go to the appointment. And oh, man. so I had to go to a new barber, had no clue who he was, which should be a big deal. But, you know, it it was and like for my mojo and um, <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, uh, this is kind of weird. But can you put a lightning bolt in the side of my head? He was like, <laughs> he was like taken aback a bit. He was like, <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, that's a cool idea. <laughs> probably thinking. Probably, <laughs> Probably, I probably left and probably talking to his coworkers, like probably some awful things about me. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I probably deserve it. But, um, and then he finished it and I looked at it. He was like, does it look good? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, Thanks man. Here's your I tip. Was, I honestly was, I was insecure <laughs> about the whole thing. I was more insecure than I thought I would be about the whole thing. Um, and then, and then it didn't turn out the way I wanted, which it probably would have never turned out the way I wanted just because I was being insecure about it anyways. And then, but it was fun. I sent a picture to a, a big group chat and, and to you all and, and then people saw it in person and they loved it and which uh, boosted my confidence. It was, it was yeah. I, I want to build off this aside of, of hairstyles real quick. Mike Corfage went full Mohawk, um, for his race and the Mohawk, by the way, is undefeated, undefeated. in PRs. So Every time he gets the Mohawk, he's hitting a PR and he saw Scotty's lightning bolt and went to great clips in Houston. I at think, the expo at the at expo the, at yes. the expo and got a lightning bolt inside of his head too. So that's, that's, 
Let me just juju. say too, it was is really sketchy because the person looking at looking at Mike's head, like had a picture of the right side of someone's head, and then they said, "Well, wait, no, he wants to do this on the left side, so we need a picture of the left side." But it didn't really. It was. It didn't really matter. You couldn't find course. a picture, and then she was like flipping the phone. Yes, I was like, it's not that hard. It's. it's it, it was. It was. It was, so it was painful. It was painful to watch. Um, and 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 Cheston grew out a beautiful mustache. Oh, I also so grew out a mustache. Beautiful. I wouldn't describe it as beautiful, but it was there. It 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 was beautiful because it's just so dark and thick. So everyone knew like you had a mustache. There's no Ted doubt. Scraggly. Yeah. I, I I shaved it. My wife and I'm sure my parents are are happy that it's gone now. <laughs> Danny, you mailed the the hair to me, right? Like we talked. Uh yeah, dude, it's in the mail. <laughs> hey, that that that's that's a that's a non podcast discussion. <laughs> oh yikes yikes oh. That's <laughs> maybe we'll get that maybe we'll get the e for explicit now i was about to say yeah this is definitely going to call for the e next to the episode <laughs> um uh scott so I, i'm i got your strava pulled up um and your splits from one to 20 are <laughs> impeccable i mean you're between six flat and six ten every split pretty much besides mile three you barely or and yeah a couple of your just a tad under six, but well, yeah, if you look actually, if you if you click on the workout instead of like on the paid portion of Strava, if you click on the workout, mile ten was a six twenty. Um, that was oh. right after. So, uh, so going back to episode three, um, part one of this, the pre race, I forgot my coffee, and I normally do all liquid ninety minutes before. I try and have it done 90 minutes before just so it can cycle through my system. Um, and, uh, but I forgot the Celsius and Alex brought me that with my bib and I chugged it with like 45 minutes till the race. So I did not think about that at all. And at the, at the like seven o'clock, right when the gun was about to go off, I had to pee so bad. Like, Normally, like, I've always had to pee at all my race starts, but it's like, it's just nerves usually, and it goes away, but this one grew and grew, and then by mile nine, I saw my wife at mile nine, and then it grew, and I was like, I have to go, I ha I have to go, and I was like, looking for porta potties but then I was like, almost about to go, and then, then, then there would be a cop, and I was like, I wonder if a cop would pull me over. I mean, not pull me over, like, stop me. Like, I wonder if a cop would be like, uh, and then I, I literally thought to myself, I was like, maybe I'll go up to the cop and uh, and ask him if I can pee behind his car. And then I was like, no, that's a bad idea. Maybe I'll ask a person if I could pee in their front lawn. Like, all this stuff was going through my head, like, the most ridiculous thoughts. <laughs> and and then I ended up at, like, mile nine and a half. Um, I ended up just pulling off and I didn't stop my watch or anything. I just pulled off and it took about 30 seconds. Um, it was, I mean, it was a significant amount. And then after, Thank you. after you're welcome. Um, after that, uh, I cramped from mile 10 to 13. Um, and I told myself I wouldn't try and make up that time, but I know that I ran a like five thirty half mile. Or so faster. Your, your pace chart on Strava, and you know, this could be off, but it says at one point 
right after you peed, your pace was 320 per mile. What? So you were like, you were full sprint trying to catch Stepped up. on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a significant graph on the, I mean, it's like twice as high as any other pace in the race. It's <laughs> yeah. probably, it's definitely not that fast. I can tell you yeah. it wasn't that fast, but it's probably like me, just my, my GPS jumping real quick. But, um, I mean, I definitely wasn't going slower than marathon pace. Let's put it that way. I told, I was like repeatedly telling myself, I was like, don't try and make up this time. It's fine. It's just 30 seconds. You'll be fine. But I like dead sprinted for like, yeah, I believe you as I'm telling myself this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could see that like wanting to get back from a, like, just think about when you're doing like repeats or something, you're trying to get back on that next rep and hit your pace. The first hundred meters are always like way too hot. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, so we're, I guess we're talking about the first part of the race and we lost Justin there for a sec. Justin, you said you were kind of reminding yourself of like your indie race where like it was kind of a struggle to the end. You were clipping your leg a bit. Um, and what, what, what happened after that? How are you feeling after that? Yeah. So, so mentally I was like, you know what, hold on. Like each race is its own story, which is true. And like, let's, let's just, let's just keep it going. And it's not uncommon for me to have the first couple miles feel tight in general and then my body opens up, you know, around mile five, six sometimes. And so around mile six, I was feeling really loose. Uh, there's a picture of me on Strava flying by a cameraman screaming, let's go. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jamie Albritton, for, for taking that snap. Um, and the, the music was getting bouncier. Uh, I think some of Caroline's favorite songs came on. Uh, Mike Rand was, was humming or, or singing to a couple as well. So the vibes were high. And I was like, look, you know, who cares if if I'm more fatigued than usual coming to this race. And I don't even know if that's true because I can't look at my watch. Like, let's just have fun. And, and it, that's honestly what I did. And so um, it, we were bouncing. We had a good crew around us. A lot of people were flocking to the music. And we were exchanging words on kind of what pace and goal we were going for. So we probably at this point had a group of six or eight of us, uh, yeah, running around 244, 243 pace. And around mile nine, I, I texted Krista to make sure she's going to meet at mile 12 with a bottle where, where Danny's wife, Prez, would be as well and his awesome family would be. <laughs> and um, at, at that point, too, Kaylee Barnes, uh, one, of our, one of our friends, shouted out on the race. We had the priest blessing people, I think, around mile nine as well. Some yeah. Catholic priest was there blessing people with water. That was amazing. He was, like, <laughs> spraying it across runners. Have you and Mike been and I race before? No, not like that. that I, I don't think so. I've been yeah. the Naples half marathon. There's a priest. I've done it twice in both times. It's actually the same exact day as the Houston marathon. Oh, so, okay. uh, that's cool. That's, that's why I didn't do the Naples marathon this year, but her half. But yeah, there's a priest. I've been blessed on no, the second week of November three years in a row. It's special. When we hit that, I was like, oh, yeah, like this is this is great. <laughs> yeah. This is great for the vibes right now. <laughs> yes, I, I I just laughed. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" But but the 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 hitting of my calf was so bad at first. I eventually adjusted my stride to make sure I like got my my glutes firing better and my knees up. But I actually have chafe marks on my left uh, calf. They're they're gone now. But after the race, like huh. it was it was scuffed up. Um. Anyway. Um. And then, let's see. Going to like mile right before mile twelve. Yeah, we were cruising around the same pace. There's, there's definitely a, a, a chorus of Caroline, we're too hot. 
were too hot a little bit, so we were scaling back. But but again, I felt I felt pretty good. I finished my first bottle, which again had scratch, 400 milligrams of sodium in it, 400 calories. That felt good, so no issues there. And my Krista was was ticked at me that I was doubting uh, she would she would give me a bottle because as I was running towards them at mile 12, I saw her handing or saw her filming me, but I couldn't see the bottle. I was screaming bottle, 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 and. Uh-huh. Uh, she, she was like, as I was running past her, she's like, you know, I'm going to get you the bottle. And I could tell I was a little irritated at that moment. That was another signal that I wasn't as bouncy as usual. as sort of giving us some fake news energy because um, I was already getting a little, little prickly. I'm at mile 12, which isn't like me. But I was like, you know, what? let's just keep going. Let's keep going. So that, that gets me to, to mile 12. I don't know if, Danny, you want to catch people up. Yeah, let's up to uh, mile 12. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's hear the half splits and uh, I guess see oh, yeah. how we're feeling at the half. Yeah, go ahead, Justin, since you're already there. Yeah, my half split was – let me see here. Sorry. It was close to 120, 122 or so, 121.40 was around there. I don't have the official Houston split in front of me. But needless to say, I was, I was cooking around 6.11-ish pace. 612 pace at the halfway mark. Um, and for those who don't know, who've never ran Houston, Houston's pretty flat. It's, it's a really great course. There are a couple overpasses and some stretches in the back where there are some gentle climbs. Um, and around right before the half mark, there is the largest overpass, the largest quote unquote hill, if you will, in, in that section. And I don't know what you guys think, Danny, Scotty, but Around mile six, you definitely start feeling a, a pretty consistent breeze of ten miles per hour or so, depending on where you were in the pack. Yeah, so yeah. I'll just pick up from like ten k or, or five miles. Um, you know, the, we're running in the six thirty range uh, for those first five, and then from t- about ten k, uh, mile six through the half, we're going. 29, 27, 28, 28, 29, 29. And so I'm thinking, okay, like John's pushing the pace a little bit. I'm fine with it. I knew we ran that first one slow. You know, this will probably, you know, get us right where we need to be at the half or like a little before. So like all through those miles, it was just the focus was like, you know, relax the shoulders, natural form, um, you know, no, no heavy breathing. Luckily, like, was not like a huge effort at that point, but it, you know, I had also a bottle of element that I was trying to get through, um, you know, one about 22 ounces an hour. And then, um, you know, taking my Martins one every 30 minutes. So everything was like clicking, um, saw the priest got the holy water, uh, splashed on us and mile 12. Yep. Linked up with my family, got my second bottle. And then we hit the overpass, and, um, that was the climb that Chesson just talked about. And I came through half at one twenty five thirty nine, Um, so 13.1 miles money. at one twenty five thirty nine, which was money. And I was like, all right, that's going to get us there. Like, you know, that's perfect for a, a 251. But in, in some ways I was like, oh man, I thought we were running like faster than this. I thought that maybe we <laughs> had a little bit. Um, cause in the back of my mind, I was like maybe this day could be special. Um, and I was kind of starting to think it, uh, 
I uh, just had the thought in the back of my mind. I'll just say going into the race when Chris uh, and Sam gave me the race predictions, they predicted um, around 250 and some change. And I was like, okay, like, I like that. It's a, it's a, it's, um, you know, beating my goal, but also it's not sub 250. I wonder why they, they said that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of in the back of my mind going through half and, in, in beginning the race. Did you all say anything? Cause you had a group of guys that you knew still, did you, did you guys say anything at half? Like, yeah. Like, did anyone so, say money or anything? Or So I'm running with, yeah, John and Corf this whole time. And, um, yeah, we pass, we pass the, uh, like a bunch of cheering groups. We had some like good footage of that. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty much, uh, you know, just some comments here and there. Like I was, um, kind of talking about like some of the things that people texted in the group text, um, like before the race kind of words of encouragement. And I mentioned Michael cook and, uh, he had this text. That was funny. He goes, whisper voice. <laughs> so, I said that to the guys somewhere around mile 10 and they, they liked that. So, um, yeah, I mean like it, like we, we hit that hill and, um, John was like ready to pull us back on that. And uh Corf was like, No, I'm charging this thing. So he was gung ho and he just like kind of sent it up the hill. He didn't get too far ahead of us, but we we um paced that one a little slower on the overpass and then you know used the downhill to kind of catch back up. Right after the overpass, though, there's a really sharp, like 180 degree turn. Yeah. Uh, which I think is the sharpest turn in the race, but that was um I was trying trying to just communicate with the guys because we had a pack around us of other runners too, like, hey, like let's swing wide and then take this kind of cut this corner sharp. And um it was uh, you know, so no one ran into anyone, thankfully. JB, I think like took it as like, hey, just like get wider on the whole thing, like get out of my way, <laughs> which I didn't mean, but he swung really wide. Um, but like that portion of the course between like 10k and um, you know, 12 was through a beautiful area of town, like tree covered neighborhoods, old, like very fancy looking houses, like, you know, Kevin from home alone type houses. Um, <laughs> and, and it was, it was like awesome. There were some speed bumps there. I actually was, um, just running in, in the pack and I was kind of on the left side. We were towards the right side of the road, but I was on the left side of our group and the speed bumps had like these like separate, <laughs> separators in between them where like you could just run flat between them and so i was hitting all those and i was like okay like i'm fine with this like this is gonna slow me down any um so yeah so we we got through that that first half marathon at 125 39 right where we needed to be that what would you go through halfway uh i went 119 20 dang with a bathroom stop yeah. So were you, you said, were you running with Ilya and Michael Cook or were you solo the whole time? So I ran that entire race solo, which it may, the entire time, I don't want to say the entire time, a good like half of that race, at least once or twice a mile, I thought of the race that Justin and I had in Carmel. Um, and I'll never forget that. Like it may never happen again. It may, um, but it was 
just like it's almost like something that I want to put in a picture frame on like not my bedside table. My bedside table is reserved for my wife. But like <laughs> I wanna put it like somewhere that like in my office. It's like the the moment that we shared together in Carmel. It was special. I mean we had so much fun. It it felt like uh just another day, but also it felt like a dance party the whole time. Like until mile twenty. It almost felt like we were bored. Just like two little kids just like waiting for the ten K. Where when I ran alone, I was like I wasn't dreading the 10K, but I was scared of it. Mm. To I was, like, scared to do it alone. Um, and that shows, I mean, that that's that really is powerful to me. It, it, speaks, um, it speaks to me, like, how important community is. Really, it, it outstretches way beyond running. I mean, um, community in life, um, especially like my church is super important to me. Um, and Justin's also a part of that. We're a church community together. And, and it is so, it is no, it's no fun to do life alone. Um, and to be able to do it and share it with people like we were able to in Houston is so special. Um, you know, like I kind of had a, a, I had a great race. Danny had an like incredible race and, and Justin had a tough race. Um, and we were able to all, you know, be there for each other in all of those like roller coaster of emotions. Um, and nobody had to like deal with that alone, um, which was cool. But, uh, the, the running alone on the race for me, for those of you who know me is like, if I could have someone with me all the time, it'd be great. Like I, I I say what I I was going to say. Like you're talking about, like you know, you like DP had a great race. Scotty, you were like, you know, pretty happy with your race, and then like Justin that had a tough one. Perfect for podcast purposes. I mean, we got like, <laughs> like yeah, you know, all, all, all spectrums. So like mm-hmm. people can people can relate to all all three of your races. I yeah, like that's how they usually go. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're traveling with the big group, like you're gonna have people who don't have a good day or have a great day and like yep so it's uh, yeah it's great to keep in perspective like yeah absolutely i i ended up running it, it this is so funny i told like michael cook i talked to him the day before um he ended up he ended up passing me the last 10k with about three miles to go and he, he's a he's a really great guy i hope to get to know him better in the future um but uh he was like really encouraging me and he re- he was like when we finished he was like man I, I was trying to get you to pull with me i wanted to finish with you um but i ran alone and then i at mile 9 when i went to the bathroom um i i hopped back on the course looked behind me and elia and michael cook are right there like <laughs> just but they stayed like when i started running i was about a hundred feet in front of them. So I was like, do I just stop and like wait for them to come? Or do I run like a six ten or a six fifteen and wait for them? I in hindsight, I should have obviously I should have waited, but it would have made me not sprint that like half mile if I would have just waited with them and then and then I would have had people to run with, which dude I don't so know Scott, how let me ask you this. 
when you when you ran ahead and you went hard to catch up to like where roughly you thought you should be, um, do you think that you maybe like burned a little extra fuel in the tank right there that you could have used like later on in the race or like like would you do it again? Strategy wise, what's your takeaway from that? You know, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think I had a lot more in the tank energy yeah. wise. I mean, mile 20, literally mile 20 hit and I felt amazing. I was like, it's going to be another, it's going to be another like great race for me. You know, like I don't, I don't hit walls at the 10K. I told myself that before the race. I was like, I am special and I just, I just blast last 10Ks and just like my pride was just through the roof and it got shattered. I mean, just obliterated at the end, but, um, <laughs> I, it, it was, I threw my bottle at, my dad gave me one at 17 and instead of putting sodium in a small amount of liquid, I put like 500 milligrams of sodium in 25 ounces of water, which that's actually more than the instructions tell you to, which is like already watery. I don't know what I was thinking. I, that was, I did this the race, the uh, night before the race and I ended up only drinking one fourth of that bottle, seventeen. So I was just like completely depleted sodium wise. I had nothing, and then both of my cramps completely, or both of my cramps cramped at mile. Like it started at twenty one, it wasn't bad. Twenty two, it was a little worse, and then twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, it was full on both calves cramped. Um, and it was just strictly sodium. I truly think if, if, if the bottle my dad gave me at 17 had 12 ounces of water and a thousand milligrams of sodium, I bet I would have ran a, uh, 238 probably. Since you're already kind of there, do you want to talk us through like the end of your race, Scotty? Like, um, I'm looking at your Strava and yeah, I remember you told me your calves cramps and, you know, after 20, you know, you progressively slow down a little bit, slow down a little bit. So obviously uh, you're hurting pretty bad by, you know, 23, 24, I would imagine, but you didn't go over seven, um, which is great. <laughs> so do you want to talk about the, you know, through the finish of the race? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, I was seeing it on my watch, 21, 22, starting to, I mean, I'm running alone, and then I think I got passed by Elia at mile maybe 22, a guy who was with us um, on the race. And uh, it, I first of all, I've never experienced a cramp. I've never experienced a cramp ever on a training run. Um, I've never experienced it during a race. So that was new for me, but it was – I mean, it was full on pain mode. Like I, I, I could, I felt like I could, um, I felt like I could barely move. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, and it felt like I was running like eight minute pace, but, (laughs) um, I mean, you know, it's not like, like hindsight is obviously 2020 and I, obviously wish I would have drank that whole bottle I got at 17, but I definitely didn't. And me saying, I think I could have gone a two 
38. Well, guess what? I didn't. So um, that's for next race. And I'm definitely going to take a lot from this race and learn. And my focus, the I was very focused two weeks and a week before, but my focus 48 hours before will be different from my next race for sure. It will be a lot more methodical. I'll probably write it down um, like a month out maybe and, and be a lot more just in tune with what I'm going to do and maybe even practice it um, for a long run like, like I would for a race um, just because I saw, I saw how my confidence just made it and made my race day crumble. A bit. I mean, it was a great race. I, I didn't hit really bad until 23 through 26. But um, for the for the fans, was there uh, was there any screaming? Yes, <laughs> I I did my best, man. At mile 23, I tried to bring it back. I I did my first scream, and the dude in front of me, uh, he I think he like, he, I think he almost fell over. He like he went. <laughs> He just, for those of you who can't see, it was a very fast jerking motion and look backwards. And then I did it again. And I'm pretty sure he was like, he actually ended up just like leaving me. (laughs) It's freaking weird. Um, And, and I smacked a sign. I promised a lot of people I'd do that. It was like mile 25. And uh, and I was like, I was like nearly 40 seconds off marathon pace. And at that point I was just like, I was just trying to keep 645s and finish, yeah. and uh, and I smacked a sign and just smiled and laughed. It was just it was just a way to to be myself. And um, I will say the last the 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 shoot to finish uh, on the the maybe last point four or so that felt like another twenty miles. It was so long. It was so long, dude, and it, I couldn't run any faster. Normally, all my races, the sprint finish is like for me, it's like a it's a four thirty pace or something, and then everyone's like, "You had so much more left in the tank," and I'm like, "Not really. It's just you know, it's just adrenaline, dude." The end of this race, I'm looking at it. My last point three eight was six eighteen pace, not even marathon pace. Like I was like, struggling. I and then I stopped running at the finish line. And it immediately my calves locked and my feet felt like they were in casts. Like my mom and wife laughed at me the entire weekend, rest of the weekend, the next day in traveling. My mom said it looked like I had prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> and, my, and Alex said I looked like a nutcracker just because my calves were in a bad way. <laughs> you finished in 242, correct? 242.52 was the Houston time. The shop four, time was... Four-minute PR? Uh, yeah. Shop time doesn't matter. Um, but, no, it was a three-minute and change. Three and change. Maybe yeah, three it minutes, was. 15 seconds. All right, dude. That's dude, awesome. Dude. At that, Epic. that level, like, a three-minute PR is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I was extremely excited. And we talked about on... I guess the uh, first podcast on most of your block was on the elliptical too. So just the yeah. fact that you PR'd off of um, your Strava title is the comeback. So you literally came back from an injury in the middle of this block and then still PR'd by three minutes and change. So yeah, the more um, I think about that is like, um, I mean, I'm I'm so thankful. Like Mike, yeah. Mike's told me multiple times, just trying to make it more realistic. Um, he's like. Man, you'll be lucky to run a marathon. 
on January 14th, I was like, you're totally right. You're like, I need to yeah. get, get to grips with that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great day and I'm really thankful that I was able to squeeze out a PR. I, I can't believe I did it with, with the, with the block I had, but, um, dude, that, there was, there was no doubt, no doubt. I mean, yeah, you could take it more sodium, but I right. mean, when people saw yeah. your workout results and and the the hours you're yeah. putting on the elliptical, I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I wanna I wanna hear from Cheston. Um, yeah, I was gonna say Let's hear it. around like I know around like the half point, it started to get hard, which is very early for a marathon. I, I want to know where your mind was at to to feel hard that early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, so going back to that 180 turn, I'm glad you reminded me of that, uh, Danny, because that was right after the halfway point. I think that was right after the mat or right before the mat. And right before I, it was just before, just before. And my Koran was, had stayed behind me with me a little bit on, on the, on the bridge, Caroline and, and the group of guys that was around that were around her, they were surging. So they, they had a good, I don't know, 50 feet in front of me as I was catching up after the, after the overpass, which I wasn't really freaking out about. I was reminding myself, Hey, you ride the downhills. Usually you, you fall back a little bit on the uphill. It's all good. So I knew I'd, I'd catch him up, but it just, that's when my body started to get hot and my legs, you know, were feeling heavy. And I thought to myself, goodness, this is, I mean, they'd, they'd already felt like I mentioned, I felt the fatigue. I knew it wasn't feeling as smooth as usual. So those things are happening. But at 13, I started feeling that like the boiling point in a marathon that usually comes around 2021, 20, I was starting mm-hmm. to feel it at 13, 14. And I thought, shoot, I've got a decision to make. And I don't have another race on the calendar. I just have Chicago. And at the same time, I wasn't even going there yet. I was thinking, okay, my PR is 247 and change. If I run 630s or so, I can still get a PR. And maybe I'll slack for a couple miles and salvage a PR, maybe pull it back together and keep going. So at 14, I was like, you know what? Let's just get 630. I told Mike, go on without me. Don't worry. So I I aimed for 627 technically um, as I was doing quick marathon math while running. And I knew if I sustained that, I'd give my shot at still PRing. And I was continuing to cook. And then 15, I thought, okay, hey, this is going to grind for 11 miles. Like, let's go. And that again, I was going for 627. I think it was 645. And that's when I realized, shoot, I screwed up. I did something wrong. And I texted my wife, Chris, at that point, not my day. Cause it's like, I, I didn't do something either was too aggressive with the goal that I was more sick than I realized I was fatigued or electrolytes or whatever. I didn't know, but it didn't really matter at that point. Cause I was just like, you need to figure it out. And, um, I, yeah, I just, what I ended up doing was I just read some text, was focusing on others. Honestly, I was looking at Scotty, your performance, Danny, how you were doing. I was just distracting myself for a moment. I was like, just get to another mile, see how your body feels. And I, I drank all my bottle that I had left and of uh, a fuel. I had another bottle of scratch. And I'll never forget, I could see the Pony Chatter training group chat blowing up. I mean, and I didn't see the text specifically, but I saw Cheston, I saw CH. 
And, you know, we've done a number of these races where when someone's struggling, you know, the group kind of rallies around the person. It's like, yeah, that's me. And, and it, I'd say that I don't want it to sound like I, I felt bad that people were doing that. No, I was really grateful. I was like, yeah, that's, it's that kind of day for me. And I got to finish strong. And I mentioned earlier intentionally that I wrote my why for the race. And, you know, like I remember going sub three the first time, like I had a very clear why and some baggage from my past. And some of that still comes up like with, with running, but now it's really more about like each race, regardless of time, it's about your character. And I said this in my written race report, like I'm, I am a big fan of the journey and I'm sure we'll do like a journey versus outcome, you know, debate and podcast at some point, but there's something unique about race day when like the pressure is on, the lights are on, whatever, like that reveals character in a way that, that no other, very few venues could. And I wrote down on my wide, I had three kind of packed in, but the first one was like, I wanted to show what I was all about. Purpose, grit, adventure, team, discipline. Like those are the values in running. I really like flexing and obviously my relationship with Christ. And I just like, look, man, when you pray for patience, you can be moments that you can be given moments that test your patience. When you, when you yeah. pray to be grittier, you're going to get moments that force you to be gritty and I'm in it. And that's kind of the conversation I had with myself. And Another thing that was helpful is my buddy, um, our buddy, Jamie, texted me um, three words, reassess, refocus, attack. And I read that. And right at that time- During the race, you read it? Yeah, I read it. I got a personal text from him. I didn't read all the- I didn't- There were way too many texts to read. But when I saw it was a personal text, I knew he would he would send me a timely encouragement. I just yeah felt like reading his text. Um, cool. So I was running Scotty's dad, Bill- ran with me for a tenth of a mile right after I read that, screaming his head off like he's Scotty Scarce. And uh, I honestly teared up a little bit with Bill running alongside me because it just he knew how I was feeling. I could imagine he was running with me. That's so awesome. Legend, yeah. dude. Yeah, just it it just I felt so grateful in the moment and it it hurts so bad. So bad. And I just I had to go I had to go to the bathroom relieve myself. I went in the porta potty and I just re re, re uh, reminded myself of You're good, man. I remind myself of of Jamie's words, reassess, refocus, re attack. And I just went at it, man. And it was just, you know, for those who've been there, I haven't been there that long in a race, you know, twelve miles really feel like I'm grinding and and you're, you know, at the same time mourning your, your training block. Um, uh, but yeah, that one hurt. And the whole time I just remembered Zach's story. I mentioned, I, I thought about, um, you know, suffering of Christ. I thought about the, the early days, the grinding miles. I, I thought about, um, you know, my family, the values and, and, um, and then I just kept repeating for the team. I mean, that I, I threw on some worship music just said for the team over and over again. Cause at that point it's like, look, I'm not going to PR today, get over it. And you need to go to Boston and Boston 25 is up next. And so I did some quick math was thinking, okay, 252, 253 is probably what I need to get and have enough of a buffer to race it. And so I was like, all right, I need, I need like 640, 650 miles, no slower than seven go. And that was it. I was counting knees. I was um, I was pulling out all the stops just to keep going. Um, and that's what got me, you know, to 20. 
and we can talk about, you know, when Danny and I saw each other and, and Corf, but yeah, man, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And, um, but that's, what's so beautiful about this sport. You know, you can do all the work, but you know, you don't really know till you race till the day what's going to happen. Justin, it's cool. I, the one thing I noticed, like you said, uh, that had a lot of similarities was when you got to that moment where, uh, I mean, it brought you to tears um, talking about it, where it was just so hard that like you wanted to stop, but you knew that wasn't an option. Um, and and the stuff that was going through your mind were all stuff that mattered, like that. It was all stuff that you you almost want to grab people who are don't have any perspective in their life, and you're just like you need some perspective, like the stuff that the reason that you run. You went back to all your whys, you know, the the people that are struggling and all that kind of stuff. And um, I just think that's that it's so powerful. It's it's one reason why I absolutely love running. Um, is because of what, like you just said, like when you were in the pain cave, like everything coming to your head were just, they're just things that, that are extremely meaningful to you. And, um, they're just things that matter. Like I said, it's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's why you do hard things, man. Uh, it puts everything into perspective. That's, you know, everybody should do something that pushes themselves, you know, doesn't have to be running, but running is, a good one to choose if you want to if you want to find yourself out there so uh it's it's yeah. funny too i i remember this reminds me of a conversation i had with a buddy like when i first got into marathoning do you listen to music when you run at that point i didn't i was like no not really he's like well what do you do i'm like well i kind of think about life and that's kind of when i make decisions and i feel like it's kind of true man like you <laughs> think about um you know priorities and you know in, in the thick of in the heat of battle is the marathon, right? And Cheston's thinking about everything that is important and latching onto that because he's in a, in a state that is, you know, you're physically and mentally exhausted and you want to do everything you can to show up and push through for you and your team and your family. And it's uh, no doubt, like it's running is like that. And it brings that kind of um, that, that thoughtfulness to your life perspective yeah perspective is something that i struggle with like in a world where we have everything anytime anywhere and there's like i mean i get yelled at with on Mm -hmm. on the street in my neighborhood um pushing my kid in a stroller and i'm just like gosh these people need some perspective (laughs) it's just like you should run for office, you should, Scott. You should invite him out to, for a run, Scotty. <laughs> I think he did one time, didn't he? <laughs> no, that's a whole story for another time. But so, yeah. uh, so Cheston finished in two fifty two, correct? Second yeah. fastest time ever. Yeah, second fastest time ever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, we can do kind of final race thoughts at some point, but just a couple highlights at the end. Then I want Scotty and and, and Dane to you know share their bits about the end, but I just, you know, some of the coolest moments at the end, even in the midst of suffering was in a poetic moment, Danny passing me looking like a freaking gazelle, um, with John, um, 
you know, they were looking so smooth. I, I tried hanging in with them for a little bit. Um, he definitely yelled, remember who the F you are at one point. Uh, uh, he, he, he yelled gas a couple times too, I think, right? Or, or John did. Oh, yeah. We were, yeah. John and I were saying gas the whole last seven miles. Thank you, yeah. Chris. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was awesome. It was a good lift, but I realized that, you know, I, I wanted to finish and, and not walk. Uh, my body was overcooked. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, and then at 23, my coach, um, our coach, Korf, and I, we, we exchanged a fist bump, which this is the second epic fist bump we've had in a race. The, the last one was at Boston. Boston. We both had crushed the Newton Hills, and I got disconnected from the pack and caught up with him. And I told him, all right, it's time to suffer some more. We both smiled and then, like, crushed the last, you know, three miles um, of, of that race, and he hit his goal. This time, though, when he fist bumped me, we both knew we were suffering, and I wasn't going to keep going. So that was another cool moment at the end. Um, but, yeah. 252.47, second fastest marathon to date, and definitely a good one for the books. All we right. have the most exciting thing to talk about now. DP. Danny's <laughs> finish. Yes. Let's, let's hear it, DP. I think, I, all right, so I left off at the half. Um, we're still in that 627 range at mile 14, 15. I, we're starting to... Push the pace a little bit. It, um, looking at the map now, 625 mile 15. And then we turned, actually, that was when we kind of turned north into that headwind. And basically from mile, the beginning of 15 until the end of 18 was just headwind. I mean, it was, we packed up. By then we had picked up a number of runners who were going for, we had one guy who said he was also, he was going for a 253, trying to qualify for New York. Um, you know, and, and a few other guys. And I even got comments on my Strava after the race of, Hey, your guys is pat your pack. Your guys' energy was awesome in the race. And, you know, I'm really glad that you all were there like talking and joking around because it really was the, the boost I needed. So, I mean, that's kind of the story of like those miles in the thick of it is, you know, like 15 or 13 to 18, those five miles were just, Steady, pace, pace, pace. I see one mile here, 16. It looks like we turned out of the headwind a little bit. So we ran a 619 for that mile. And that was that must have been just because of the same effort, but no headwind or maybe, I don't know, maybe we felt good or something. But um, around mile 19, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like it's almost here. We're going to, we're about to do this. So 19 and a half comes and I'm like kind of jumped the gun a little bit like ready to just like crush crush the last part of the race I'm feeling so energized at this point and I find myself leading the pack John's on my hip maybe a half a step behind me I look back Corf's at the back of the pack which is like exactly where he should be I know he's fine he's not running in any wind like he's got the group he's good and I'm looking at John, John's looking at me. He's like, you're, you're kind of pulling, pushing the pace, Danny. Like, you know, we still got seven miles to go. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm <laughs> feeling good. And I'm like, I'm going to start, I'm going to go. He's like, the way we've been running this back half, we might be able to break 250. I'm like, John, I'm doing it. Like it's go time. You pace core through the finish. I'm going to go. 
he's like, all right. So he goes back and talks to Corf. He's like, all right, if we catch you in that last six miles, seven miles, there's going to be hell to pay because you blew up. I'm like, Roger that. Say no more. I know that I got in the tank. So I take off. And John goes back to pace Corf. And so I'm like, feel better later. Gas. Remember who you are. I'm like, in in it, man. Like, I haven't felt that good all race. And I, I honestly felt like I was still running the same pace, but just kind of took the leash off. You know what I mean? Like that level. And all of a sudden, I look to my left. There's JB. John is back with me. And I know that he had to run no slower than like a 530, 540 mile <laughs> or half or, or I think it was probably my, to get to get to get back up to me. Because at that point, I'm running 605 pace. And I'm like, dude, John, like what's going on? He said, I talked to Corf. He wants to just grind it out solo. I'm like, okay, like I've been there. I get it. I'm like, let's get this thing done. So we're cooking. 606 mile 21. 609 mile 22. 606 mile 23. And then we kind of hit those rollers. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I am hurting right now, dude. And John can feel me kind of slow in a little bit. I, you know, take it slow, I think, up one of those little roller hills. And he's like, gas. And I'm just like, you're right. Yes. So I step on it some more. Uh, mile 24, 616. Mile 25, 616. And, um, you know, I think mile 26, 613. Um, and then basically sprint finish. Uh, that last point four uh, was uh, 533. So, Woo, but it was, it, it was like you said, Scotty, where that last like shoot that straight away you're like dude this is never ending like is this just a whole nother mile but i mean you're basically you're running an 800 at you know 530 pace and it's like dude that is so that is that's tough like i don't run that in a workout you know what i mean like if i get 400s i might do 530 pace probably not um but i think like there was a moment in that last 5k so miles 24 25 26 where I was really, really hurting. And I was just like, this is what I run 70 miles a week before, 80 miles a week for, and send the Saturday workout on tired legs because this is where that makes a difference. And I felt that feeling in some of those workouts where it's just like giving it every ounce of energy you have to get through it. And so I knew that I could just hang the F on to get through that last part of the race. And it was, um, and we still, I look back and there's still like some of the guys from my pack who like just took off with us. I had no idea. And, um, you know, the guy who was going for a, a 253 ends up finishing right behind me in a, in a 248. So I'm, I'm like a couple of them. And, um, so it was just, you know, having that pack on the back half of the race, and getting them talking and getting them loose too helped loosen us up, loosen me up for sure. And, you know, if you, if you get a chance to connect with someone like that, Scotty, that's what I, you know, I'd recommend that for you. Um, 
you know, t like loose, you know, crack a joke with, with a stranger, you know, you never know how they'll react and you never know. You might, might, uh, help a little bit. I know that you, we were feeling two totally different things at last 10 K, but you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's good to have company for sure. I tried, I tried latching on to so many people. Like yeah. and people wanted me to latch on to them too. Yeah. Because like they heard that I had Knox here, the music playing the whole time. And like, they were like, come on, dude. And I was like, yeah, trying like so we, hard. We, so we caught, we caught Cheston around like 20, 21, 22, something like that. And he did latch on for probably a half mile at like, that's when we were running 606 to 610 pace. And he was there, man. Like, I was like, Cheston, like, fall in line behind us. Like, we're going to block everything. Just latch on and we're going to get you there. And, um, but he, he already kind of knew what he had to do to get to Boston. And that was his new goal now. So he told us that. And I was just like, all right, like, it's, you know, he's going to be in good shape. I know he is. And then we, we passed Mike Horan too. And, uh, Mike, hung in with us and at, at the finish and he goes, I knew I was going to see Corfedge again. I knew you guys were coming. And, uh, that was kind of, <laughs> that was fun to hear. And he, he's a great dude too. We got a picture with him after the race. Um, but yeah, we go through the shoot, through the corrals into the finish. Um, they're giving out chocolate milk. They're giving out metals, waters, bananas. And I grab like an armful of stuff. Cause I'm just like, Oh my goodness. I, I, I remember I crossed that finish line and I look over and John's next to me. And I just clobber him with the sweatiest, biggest hug. And I'm almost like hanging on him like, cause I'm so tired. And I'm, I'm like, dude, I cannot believe you just got me here. You're like the, the pace car man. Who's just dude, infinite speed. I don't know how he, he just like does what he, he ran. I think like probably 10 marathons this year. Maybe not that many, maybe like five, but like, almost, I feel like three of them, do that. three of them were in the past, like three months. And that's just what he does. Dude's built different, but you know, ha having the pack, I, I don't know if this race would have been the same without that, but it was a uh, race, race of my life. <laughs> so far. So far. Ain't seen exactly. your best yet. It was, was... Uh, Alex. Uh, immediately. I was like the two people that, um, it came to my mind immediately. It was, I asked how it was, where's Cheston and where's Danny and, um, Alex, by the time I found her, she goes, um, Cheston had a, had a rough day and, and he's, he just finished. Um, he went to 52 or whatever. And, um, and then she goes, Danny, Danny went a 248. And I was like, I was like putting the numbers together in my head. I was like, what? It's like, that's four minutes. <laughs> I dude, I freaked out, and then I saw you like three minutes later, and I like I gave you like a the biggest bear hug, and like I I think my legs went around you too. I just like it was just like all, everything I could give to Danny at that point. I like screamed in the middle of like a thousand people. It was, dude, it was the best. It was awesome, dude. And, and that's something that I wrote in my race report too, is like, it's just great having friends who celebrate your victories. Like they're their own. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what this group's really good at doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was going to sure. add to like the moment when Mike like told John to like go up with you, like what, like a sick, like coaching decision there. Power. Um, move. To, yeah. Like, I don't know. That's just 
awesome that he, you know, had a great pacer that could have taken him to the finish. And inst- instead he was like, you know, like, go, go help Danny out. I, I think that's just like such a cool moment. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. Very, very good coach. Very good coach. And Mike, Mike trucked it out. He finished at a 252, which is a, a one minute PR for him at age 50. And I was texting him earlier today. I'm like, dude, you, you and like the, the older guys in our group are rewriting the narrative on what aging is. I'm like, you guys are hitting PRs at 50 running marathons, even alone at 50 is impressive, let alone at 252. I'm like, you all are setting the bar high for us. And I say that because, you know, as a compliment for sure. Because, you know, when I was a kid, being old was sitting in the lazy boy watching the news and, you know, being out of shape and not anymore. <laughs> so no, no, we have that to look we, forward we, to. We, we got to beat those uh, those PRs as masters. That's right. Yeah. We're coming. Yeah. Um, well, good stuff, boys. Uh, and really, thank you all for, for making it this far and, and listening to the rest of episode four. Um, we're having a lot of fun with this, to be honest. Um, learned a lot uh, as a group together, and um, we we hope that you all are getting something from this. And if there's something you'd like for us to talk about, or if you have a question, um, leave a review. You can ask a question on Spotify, I believe. There's a Q and A thing at the bottom of the episode. Um, but um, uh, next the next episode or two, we're gonna talk about. Um, 2024 goals for the the four of us. Um, we got some big things coming up, and probably a little bit of Olympic trial talk coming up. That's coming up really soon. We got some some people we know um, about to go for that as well, so it's going to be pretty exciting. But um, and I have a I have an encouragement for for listeners and and a, and a task for you all to do. Um, it, this is just thinking about doing this this episode, but if just the joys that we it described, um, you know, Cheston going through his twelve miles of hard and and what he was thinking about and um, and how like running has transformed my life in the past two years in in a crazy good way and um, nothing negative so far in my life has come from running. Um, and, uh, I encourage you all to send this podcast to somebody who is thinking about running or is maybe just getting started to running. Um, and that's not, that's not to get more views, although we love views, love them. But, um, it is, it's really just because I want people to experience what we're experiencing. Um, and if you're in a rut, um, Figure out how to get out of that rut. There's, uh, there's so much fun in this sport, and if if you're running alone, find a friend to run with because that is that's going to be what's going to get you through the hard times for sure. Um, but really appreciate y'all listening. Um, stay tuned for episode five, and please leave us a review um, and a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. Really helps us out. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Peace. Thank you, guys.